How can one lone prosecutor in one court in The Hague bring justice to a violent world? Thus asks this week's documentary, Prosecutor, which follows Luis uh, Moreno Ocampo, the first uh, prosecutor, the uh, now former prosecutor, lead prosecutor of the International Criminal Court. I have a great deal to um, say about this documentary, which I think in many ways touched a nerve for me, and I'll be interested to hear what you all have to say about it as well. But what I want to start by, uh, what I want to focus on here is uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the so the within the um, within the film, um, the the sort of focal um, um, of, of event or um, thing being explored is uh, uh, um, Ocampo's first criminal prosecution, right? Essentially, of um, two, there are two prosecutions of competing uh, quote unquote warlords um, um, from uh, recent conflicts in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and. Uh, uh, as I understand it, a, a principle, if not the principal charge brought against both of these, um, uh, both of these um, purported warlords um, was uh, the use of child soldiers, right? And this is held to be a criminal offense, right? A crime against humanity, a war crime, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, um, and precisely the kind of um, really horrific crime that the ICC has said, um, you know, set up to prosecute and to prevent. Ocampo argues that the ICC, um, in fact, has uh, plays a preventative role um, uh, because the prosecution of um, cases such as um, those explored in the documentary lead to the demobilization of um, child soldiers elsewhere. Right. And so uh, a decrease in the recruitment and mobilization of child soldiers in conflicts across the world. Right. So this uh, intervention into the Democratic Republic of Congo, this prosecution is both about um, specific crimes committed against citizens, you know, against uh, uh, victims and uh, about uh, a sort of universal um, human morality and universal human dignity um, that requires being protected. Now, however, as as you'll see um, throughout the documentary, right, and as um, you've already um, read uh, uh, through Adam Branch's work, the ICC has come under uh, a number of criticisms. Uh, in particular, we see, for example, uh, that the, when the ICC, uh, uh, when Acampo, uh, um, uh, when the ICC indicted um, President Al Bashir of crimes against humanity and war crimes, um, but not of genocide. Um, when this indictment came, uh, the Sudanese government kicked uh, kicked out Doctors Without Borders, among other humanitarian groups operating in the Darfur region. Right, thus uh, probably leading to the loss of life, and certainly um, increasing greatly the um, the immediate suffering, right, and 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 harm being experienced by the people. Of Darfur, right, and so this was a move that was criticized by other humanitarian groups working in this context. Um, uh, moreover, uh, 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 critics like Mahmoud Mamdani uh, and Adam Branch have argued that the ICC's um, pursuit of um, criminal prosecution um, itself hinders the realization of peace, 
right? That this particular um, image of justice um, is a hindrance to peace, right? How can you get uh, uh, um, recalcitrance, belligerence in a, in, a, in a conflict to come to the negotiating table if you are also um, trying to prosecute them for crimes, right? Uh, um, so, uh, 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 and um, many argue that the kinds of criminal prosecutions that Ocampo um, wants requires for, require first a political settlement. However, uh, 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 Ocampo, the ICC, its proponents, and human rights fundamentalists, um, generally speaking, uh, argue for an international legal standard, right? Something like the ICC, an international legal standard of genocide, regardless of the political context of the country in question. Their point of view is bolstered, indeed, by the widespread and understandable popular outrage, not just in the West, but in, in very much throughout Africa as well, against the impunity with which a growing number of regimes have been resorting to slaughter, um, to brutalize their populations into silence, right? Um, the realization that the ICC, however, um, however, the realization that the ICC has tended to focus uh, only on African crimes, right, uh, um, and mainly on crimes committed by adversaries of the United States, right? So not just, uh, not only is the focus uh, selective to Africa, but even within the continent, there's a selective application of the law, right? This realization, right, across the African continent um, has introduced a, a note of sobriety um, into um, the African discussion, raising uh uh, concerns about politicized justice, um, and in fact, a wider set of questions about the relationship between law and politics and rights. Uh, I can say at least that by the time uh, I left Uganda in 2016, uh, um, the sort of public sentiment had largely turned against um, the ICC, right, um, as uh, an instrument of uh, imperialism that was intended to subvert uh, uh, post-colonial independence and sovereignty. This, of course, despite the fact that um, it was the Ugandan government which had invited the ICC in to prosecute uh, or, or to uh, try to prosecute Joseph Kony and the leaders of the LRA. Um, uh, so uh, this is just a, a, um, just a reminder that the sort of uh, in, um, uh, instrumentalization of these institutions, of rights discourses, of interventionist practices is not a one-way street um, that many African states and indeed other uh, actors on the ground uh, may also seek to instrumentalize um, interventionist practices in human rights discourse. In any case, <clears throat> I think that the, um, the case of the ICC raises a more general question. Right, that of the relationship between legal and political questions. Right, in a democracy, in a, in a republic, the domain of the legal is is defined through political processes. Right, even where there is a human rights regime, both the fact uh, and the content of rights, for example, the Bill of Rights in the United States, are defined by the country's constitution. Right, so we have a set of rights. Right, but they, these are defined and established politically. At the same time, its actual uh, operation, right, a set of human rights, political civil rights, that the operation of these rights at any given period in time is subject to political qualifications, 
uh, you know, in light of changing historical, political, geopolitical context, right? As in fact, the war on terror uh, uh, demonstrates, right? With the war on terror, we see the passage of the Patriot Act and the suspension of many uh, American citizens' um, basic constitutional rights, as well as a complete um, disregard for the fundamental human rights of, of many uh, uh, many uh, of those across the globe, particularly those who happen to be identified um, as quote-unquote bad Muslims. In any case, um, so we can happen, we can ask though what happens, right? So if a legal uh, 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 regime of rights is, is formed and established and conditioned by a political system, right, whatever the law's claims to being apart from politics may be, right? If we acknowledge this, we can ask what happens if one detaches the law from the political regime, right? If one disconnects them, right? I think two problems immediately arise, both related to the question of political accountability, right? And so here we will see that despite Ocampo uh, and uh, uh, claims that the ICC increases legal accountability, right, and brings out about an end to the era of impunity, um, this uh, is arguably uh, uh, not the case. Okay, so uh, of these two problems, um, uh, um, both are related to the, uh, as I said, both have to do with the problem of accountability, right? So the only formal gathering of the global community today is the UN, right? And in the UN, there's a general assembly, which is the fully representative body, right, the representative from each recognized nation state. And then there's also the Security Council, uh, um, which uh, um, is, is not a fully representative um, body, but a um, kind of a Congress of big powers that emerges from the ashes of World War II, right? It is a Security Council, a Congress of the global superpowers, or the global powers superpowers, powers, right? And so now to the extent that the ICC has any accountability, it's ultimately to the Security Council and not to the General Assembly. It's accountable to the global powers, right? Not to the global community as such. It is this relationship that has made it possible for the only superpower in the post-Cold War um, era in the United States to turn the workings of the ICC to its advantage. This problem was raised most directly um, by India, like the United States and Sudan, India also refused to sign the Rome Statute and is not a signatory to the ICC. India's primary objection had to do with the relationship between the Security Council, of which India is not yet a permanent member, and the ICC. The Rome Statute, right, which establishes the ICC, gives the Security Council minimal powers of oversight over the ICC. The council has the power to require the ICC to look into particular cases and to forbid it from considering other cases. India's basic objection was that granting powers to the Security Council to refer uh, uh, cases to the ICC or to block them was unacceptable, especially if its members were not all signatories to the treaty, that is, members of the Security Council, right? So we're giving the Security Council, of which... Uh, um, some members are not even signatories of the ICC Oversight Committee over the ICC, right? And this, India says, is unacceptable, right? For it provides escape routes for those accused of serious crimes, um, um, but who happen to enjoy the clout, 
clout in the UN body as members of the Security Council um, or as allies of strong members thereof. At the same time, India objected that giving the Security Council power to refer cases from a non-signatory country to the ICC was against the uh, law of treaties under which no country can be bound by the provisions of a treaty it has not signed. So that's the first problem. Yet another problem is that of the absence of formal political accountability. Um, so I'm sorry. Uh, yet another. Uh, so another problem is that this absence of formal political accountability has created conditions for the informal politicization of the ICC. Um, as summed up in an editorial in uh, India's leading political daily, um, The Hindu, quote, the wheeling dealing by which the U.S. has managed to maintain its exceptionalism to the ICC while assisting um, to end the climate of impunity in Sudan makes a complete mockery of the ideals informed um, of the ideals that informed the setting up of a permanent international criminal court to try perpetrators of the gravest of crimes against humanity. However, the problem still would not be solved even if all the members of the Security Council, including the U.S., joined the ICC. For detaching the legal from the political regime poses a more general problem. In no country is the distinction between legal and political issues self-evident. It's not obvious. It's not um, ontological, as, they, as we would say. It's not written into 